0: The Messiah's stories and parables are perhaps the most revelatory stories in the Bible. There is so much spiritual edification we can gain from them. But there is a danger in that sometimes we hear these stories so often over and over again that we think that we've learned all there is to learn from them. But I want to submit to you that the stories of Jesus are ones that need to be read with also the addition of reading between the lines, you need to really look deep and pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you the deeper things of his messages. And in this teaching, we're going to be talking about three very important events, as well as a parable that uh, happened within the life of Yeshua. And that is the uh, story of the rich young ruler the parable of the Good Samaritan and also Jesus' encounter with Martha and Mary. We're going to be learning more about what the Messiah says regarding our salvation, the dangers of even religious works and what we have to watch out for within our works. And we're also going to be talking about relationship with God and what the Messiah taught us about that. So we're going to start here with the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we read the following Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, the Messiah, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, before I continue with this story, I want you to realize something right off the bat here. When you start the reading of the story of the Good Samaritan, there should be a light bulb that goes off here. Because what is being asked by this lawyer is the exact same question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus in another place. And that is, what do I need to do to get eternal life? What is it that I do? Right. And and then Jesus, he comes and he answers him well, what's written in the law and the law says, well, you know, do all these things. And and Jesus basically says, well, good, if you do these things, you'll be good. You'll be safe. That's it. You've got it. It seems like you've got a, a hold of this and you're on the good path kind of thing, you know. Um, but but it's interesting because in verse 29 of Luke chapter 10, it says something interesting about this uh, good this lawyer. And and it says that he was desiring to justify himself. So the scriptures, it's giving us a glimpse into the heart of the lawyer who's been asking this question to Jesus of what do I do to inherit eternal life? He was asking it from a place of trying to justify himself now. Let's continue. Let's look at what the rich young ruler story, what happened there. We see similarly the rich young ruler comes and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you like one thing. Go sell all you have, give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So the rich man, just like that lawyer, comes and says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him, keep these commandments and you will live. And he said, I did all these things from my youth. Jesus says, well, I think you've missed something. And he tells him to sell everything he has, give it to the poor and he will have treasure in heaven. And the rich young man is disheartened by this because he has many possessions. But see, I want to submit to you. He was not only disheartened because, you know, his treasure was within these possessions, but there was something that he realized that Jesus pointed out something in his very heart that was wrong. You see, initially he asked, what must I do to get saved? And Jesus pointed out, not just to the law, do this, do this, do this, but to his heart and what the treasures of his heart were and how it was not correct that he was treasuring these possessions above the kingdom of God. So he realized that to, in order to inherit eternal life, it wasn't just even about the 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 black letters on a white page of what to do and what not to do. But it's even what was in his heart. And see, brothers sisters, he realized that now if if Jesus saw that one thing of the treasure in his heart that was wrong, what else is there in his heart that he didn't even know was there? So this the disheartening was thing was that, wow, what else is wrong that is keeping me from inheriting eternal life? And this is why the disciples came, you know, Jesus said. You know, if you are a rich man, it is difficult to enter the kingdom of God because of these these traps. And the disciples, they came and they said, well, well, who is going to be saved? Who? Well, what is what is left? What hope is there? This rich young man, he kept all the commandments. He but yes, he did this thing in his heart of what is hope is there for us then who have maybe even broken those commandments that this this rich young ruler was keeping. What hope is there? And and he even says, "With with man, this is impossible. Indeed, you're right, it's impossible. You, with your works, you cannot inherit eternal life. He calls it impossible. He says, but with God, all things are possible. You see, brothers, and sisters, the problem was that the with the rich young ruler and with the lawyer is they asked the wrong question. They asked, What do I need to do to get saved, to get eternal life? That question. Is wrong because it comes from this 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 interest in justifying oneself. This interest, this desire, this even the the concept. They even believed that they were able. That's the craziest thing, is they thought they were so arrogant and prideful that they thought that their own works would be enough at any point in time to save them. See, that was the wrong question. The right question to ask is. What could God do to get me eternal life? And see, this is not a question of of God has some responsibility, but but understanding my only hope to be saved is not in myself because I know how wretched I am. The only hope I have is if God has a plan for me to save my life and see the answer, they were staring the answer in the face to their question, the answer of what is eternal life. It was Yeshua himself. They were staring him right in the face. He was God's answer to the question of eternal life. For a moment, let's return to that story of the parable of the Great Samaritan. When the lawyer asks him, you know, he says, But he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now, there are two things that I want to point out here. Firstly, the interesting part is that it was a Samaritan who came to help this man who was robbed. And I think that when Jesus said that it was a Samaritan who was the one to help, he did it with purpose because the, the man who was asking this question, this lawyer was a Jew, likely, and the Jews, They didn't have dealings with Samaritans. They looked down upon the Samaritans and the Samaritans looked down upon Jews. They were like arch enemies in the first century. And so Jesus probably knew that this lawyer in his heart did not like Samaritans like most of the other Jews. So the lesson here is that we have to be careful in how we judge others because the sin of many in the first century, many who were identifying as Jewish people, was that they looked down upon Samaritans. Even though Samaritans, in this story, in this parable at least, could even have more compassion upon someone than a religious leader that is Jewish or a, a Levite of the Jews. You see, in the first century, much like today, even. Your neighbor was considered one who was your friend, one who you were in good terms with. Well, people who are friends, they're easy to love if God calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves. But Jesus was coming to teach no, your neighbor can even be a complete stranger. It can even be an enemy. It can be someone who you don't like and someone who doesn't like you. That person still your neighbor and you are still called to love even them. Now, in the case of this story, the one who was better and loving their neighbor was someone who was a Samaritan versus the religious man versus the Levite versus the priest. There's something wrong with that picture. Why was it that the religious man, the, the, the priest or the Levite, they were passing by this man who was robbed, what happened to them to get to a place like that? You see, brothers, and sisters, I think this is so important because this right here, these men who pass by the man who was robbed is something that is so easy for us to fall into. You see, we can get so busy with things that are connected to serving God that we miss the heart of God. You see. I would argue that it could have been very well that this priest or this Levite when they were passing this man who was robbed by maybe they were even on the way to a something like a a service, uh, a church service, like we would call it today. Or or maybe the Levite was on the way to temple service. Very important about to maybe one of them was about to give a big sermon to a thousand people, Not right? They were busy with their religious duties in serving garden and they felt like they were doing the right thing. Maybe it even meant maybe one of them even passed this man by because they were late or something like that, right? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt here, because often that's what happens. We get so busy with our religious works and even good, very good things that our relationship with God starts falling by the wayside. You see, and this is why the story of Martha and Mary comes directly after the parable of the Good Samaritan in your Bible, because it continues teaching this. You see, Martha and Mary, we have this happen in Luke 10, verse 38. It says now, as they went on their way. Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. You see, the key word that Jesus is telling Martha here is, Martha, one thing is necessary. There are many things that can be good. Many things that we can do to serve God by just like how Martha thought the way that she what she has to do right now is serve. She has to go in and, and make sure that that Jesus is catered for while he is here in the home. And that, that's that's a noble idea, right? There's, there's nothing in in of itself wrong with that desire to serve. But the problem is, is even good religious works can become unimportant and even destructive if they are done at the cost of relationship with God. You see, she had the opportunity to sit, like Mary did, at the feet of the Messiah of the world to hear what he has to say. But instead, she chose to work in a different way. She She had the opportunity to pick relationship right there. But instead, she picked a religious work. And this is exactly I want to submit what the priest on the way and the Levite on the way, what they did wrong too. their error was they were so preoccupied with their religious works, which were good works, but they were doing it at the cost of relationship with God. We can say this because we know. That the relationship is supposed to be the thing that drives us if they were driven by their relationship with God, first and foremost, they would have stopped for the man who was robbed along the road because they would have been pricked and driven in their heart by the Holy Spirit to have compassion on this man. But instead, it was a Samaritan who would end up doing that a Samaritan who likely didn't have all the religious duties on his mind. Because see, in this case, the religious duty of the Levite and the religious duty of the priest was actually destructive because now it was drawing them away from the thing that matters most. Relationship with God that is loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength, which leads to loving your neighbor as yourself. And we know that they didn't have that love for God, that relationship with God, because they didn't have that love for their neighbor. See, it's all about whether we are being compelled by performing or compelled by God. Martha, it's the scriptures say that she was anxious and troubled about many things. That's what Jesus told her. That was the issue. You see, she was likely feeling like she had to prove herself. And so she was wanting to to do all these things to prove herself. Maybe it was even to prove her worth for some of us. Maybe we do religious works and things for money or to be accepted by God or men. You know, maybe we do it for some form of promotion. You see, you can do things for all of these or any of these instead of serving from intimacy with God. You see, not for this or that, but from intimacy with God, we're supposed to serve and have good religious works. You see, because that's what Jesus calls the good portion. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion. The good portion is to number one, above all else, choose to sit at his feet. And then from that place, all else will flow. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added to you, not work first for the kingdom of God. Seek it. Yearn for it. Hunger for him. And from that place of relationship and intimacy with him, all things will flow. And then you'll be so much better off and you'll have a healthy place where you can actually love your neighbor and have compassion on others. Brothers, and sisters, what we are talking about, this underlying idea of works is what we have been talking about through this whole teaching. The rich young ruler, the lawyer, they came to ask the question, what will I do to be saved? Martha, she had an underlying similar kind of thinking. What should I do for the Messiah? And there's it is it is a good thing to desire to go, do good for the Messiah, for God's kingdom, etc. But above that, we must realize that we cannot save ourselves, that we have no shot at it at all, not even in the slightest way, but that God has provided the solution. And then from our love for God. We, we serve him. We do good things. And from our relationship with God, we serve him and do good things. But if we think that it's going to be about this is about us proving ourselves to God in some form to try and show our worth to him, we're going to be misled because we're going to always work. We're never going to satisfy that standard of perfection that the Messiah came to fulfill. And so we will always be trying to work ourselves into God's presence. But every day will fall short in a different way. You may feel like you got this commandment down, but then there's something else wrong in your heart. And this will always keep us away from God's throne. Unfortunately, many people see God as some slave driver employer. You see, when you go and you have an employer, oftentimes that relationship is simply based off you working for that person. You come into work, you work, you go home, you get paid. That's the relationship often. And some people do the same with God. They think that God is you show up, you work, you go home and you get salvation. That's not how this works. The kingdom of God is where we can have a relationship. That means you show up and you have relationship. You speak to him. You sit at his feet, you draw close to him, you listen to him, you pray. He becomes a father to you. He becomes a savior to you. He is not there to be your slave driver. And now from that place, yes, we love to serve him. But what is your relationship with God built on? Do is he some slave driver employer or is he a father? Is he is he someone who you can speak to? Someone who you know cares for you and who you don't need to prove yourself to. Brothers, here's the thing. As I end this off, if you needed to work in order to prove your worth and prove yourself to God first, why would he die on the cross for you before you ever did anything? Why would he die on a cross for you without you needing to prove yourself to him? You see, that's not what he desires. He desires you to come and sit at his feet first. Father, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would in this year help us to have our relationship be one that is not built on works. But one that is built on understanding your grace and mercy and the relationship, the door of relationship you have opened for us like you opened to Mary. Help us to choose the good portion like Mary did and not like Martha or the Levite or the priest. We don't want to get so concerned with our religious works that we miss you and our neighbors along the way. Lord, we ask, Father, for you to give us a new anointing and understanding of your love. God, I ask that you would help us to walk out your love like never before in our life. We pray this name, Yeshua. Amen. I hope that this teaching has blessed you and seen made you see the beauty of the scriptures. Go this week, go and sit at his feet so you can be equipped to love your neighbor like he loved others.